Good morning. Good morning. I'm excited to be here. How are you? Alright. My name is Eric. I need to be the pastor here. I just want to say welcome. Whether you have been coming for a little over two years, which is how long we've been around as a church, or this is your first time, we want to say welcome. Whether you're a Packers fan or a Vikings fan or even a Bears fan, you are welcome here in this place. Amen. Uh, we've got kicking off this new series today called Change. Called Change. How many of you ever realized, got to a place in life, and you said, man, I need to make a change? Well, that was me recently this week. Part of our story is I grew up here in Maple Grove, and uh, I got married. We headed out to Colorado for six years. I was a pastor out there. Then Wisconsin for three years. Uh, I hate to admit it, I was actually a Packers fan while I lived in Wisconsin. Uh, and then four years ago, we moved back, and I saw the lights and became a Vikings fan. And a Seahawks fan. Uh, but that's not for here or there. Uh, but four years ago, we moved back to Maple Grove to start this church. And uh, in the last four years, I've gained two children and about 40 pounds. And so, uh, adding kids, adding a church, all this stuff will take its toll on you. And I thought after the point, I was like, man, I need to make a change. Have you ever been there? I need to make a change. What I'm doing is not working. And so I texted my good buddy Tim, he's back there, and I knew Tim on the side as a CrossFit coach. And I was like, so tell me again where your gym is, uh, and how do you go for a CrossFit? Yeah, probably everyone, right? The first rule of CrossFit is you have to talk about CrossFit, right? And so uh, I heard Tim talk about it, and I was like, all right, time to make a change. I need to give CrossFit a try. And so Thursday morning at 6.30 in the morning, I get in my car, and I head down to Plymouth, uh, where Tim's gym is, and I gotta be honest, I was kind of freaking out. I was like, well, I don't know what to expect. Uh, I'm kind of scared. Like, where am I going to park? Is there going to be a bathroom there? What if I puke? What if I don't know anyone? At least I knew Tim. But it was scary. Uh, but I was driving down there. The sun was coming up. I'm like, okay, I got this. You know, and I, I pull up. Man, I am just terrified. And I walk in. And I see Tim. And Tim gives me a big smile. And then what was so cool was everyone in that gym was so excited that it was my first time there. They cheered me on. Uh, and then I went back on Saturday for more because it was fun. And and even though I basically threw up after working out on Thursday morning. But you know what's interesting was the second time I showed up, it was a little bit easier because I knew what to expect. See, the thing is, change is hard. My guess is every one of us has something in our life where we realize I need to make a change. Maybe it's not a physical change. Maybe it's something to do with you know, just how you manage your time. Maybe it's your relationship with your spouse, or maybe it's how you got about dating, and now you're like, I need to make some kind of change. Something I realized this week was that once you take that first step towards change, the second step is a little bit easier. It's getting started that is the hardest part. And then the important thing is to stick with it and say, you know what, I want to change. Maybe this morning it's something to do with your finances. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's a physical change. Whatever it is, I think each one of us has something that we want to change. Maybe like me, you know, I used to be a Packers fan, and I changed to be a Vikings fan. And maybe God wants to lead you in that direction. I don't know. But this morning, we're going to talk about what does it mean to change. And I believe you are not here as an accident. I believe that everyone in this room, God has you here for a purpose. And I'm so excited about what God's going to do in your heart. I'm so excited for what God has for you to 
today. And I believe God wants to take you further, faster, higher, deeper into him this morning. Uh, we're going to dive into our, our text today. Um, before we do that, uh, would you mind just praying with me? God, I thank you so much that wherever we are in life, God, that this isn't the end of our story. And as long as we have breath, God, I know that you have more for us. And so, God, this morning we pray that these would not be just my words, but God, that you would speak through me, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord. And God, I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, each and every one of us, we can all be changed and become more like Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. We're going to spend the next three weeks looking at Acts chapters 4 and 5, and we're going to see how the Holy Spirit changed lives. We've been talking about the book of Acts last couple weeks. If you remember, Acts was written by Dr. Luke, and Acts really captured some of the highlights of the first gathering of people who believed in Jesus. And one of the dominant themes of the book of Acts is unquestionably this theme of boldness and courage. In fact, when you look at what happened and the results are so bold, you're reading the book of Acts and you're like, man, a miracle and miracle and miracle and miracle. And it's pretty amazing. And I've asked myself before, why don't we see those same kind of miracles today, especially in our culture? Why is it we don't seem like we see those same movements as, as we did back when you read the book of Acts? And I think the answer to that, at least in our culture, is because I don't think we have that same bold faith. And I think we don't pray the same bold prayers that early church did that led to such amazing results. So today I want us to learn together how me and how you, how can we have a more bold faith how can we pray more bold prayers? Well, how about you? How bold are you? How much courage do you have? Would you like to be more bold in your faith? Would you like to move from maybe cowardly in some areas of your life to courageous? That's what we're going to be talking about today. First, if you're taking notes, and I encourage everyone to take notes, we don't want to just give you a little bit of information. But our desire is that God would help all of us have a life of transformation. And so we think that if you can hear it, if you can write it down, see it, and maybe discuss it with your spouse or some friends, it really help those truths get down deep into your heart. If you're taking notes for you write down that boldness is behavior born out of belief. Boldness is behavior born out of belief because what you believe determines how you behave. What you believe will determine how you behave. If you believe that everyone's going to criticize you, then you won't take that step of faith. If you believe you're going to fall and you're going to fail, you're never going to venture out and take that next step of faith. But if you believe that God is calling you, that God has set you apart, that he's empowering you, that he is leading you, that the one true God has equipped you to do what he has called you to do, then you will live boldly. Because boldness is behavior born out of belief. I'm praying in my heart that God would make us a bold church. A bold people, amen. That God would give us courage. That God would make us a church on fire. That God would give us the desire to live without fear. To live boldly for Him. Can I get an amen? amen? If you can remember from a couple of weeks ago, 
that the Apostle Peter, in Acts chapter 2, he preached this really bold sermon. If you remember, the day of Pentecost was 50 days after Passover, when Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross, and he rose again. And Peter gets in front of that same crowd of people who yelled, crucify him. And the same Peter who denied Jesus three times, little schoolgirl around the fire, the same Peter gets up and with boldness, because he's been empowered by the Holy Spirit, he says, you who crucified him need to bow the knee to Jesus. 3,000 people give their lives to Christ. And then last week, we learned about how Peter and John were going to the temple and filled with boldness. They saw a man who had been lying, lame, couldn't walk for 40 years. And Peter stretches out his hands. The man gets up and he walks. And it's amazing that people are in awe. But the Jewish leaders don't like that. And so they arrest Peter and John. That's where we left off last week. So let's pick up our story in Acts chapter 4, verses uh, 1 through 22. We'll read that, and uh, we'll dive into what God has today. And as they were speaking to the people, this is right after they killed the man, <coughs> the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by which means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness, who was a boldness? The boldness of Peter and John, and perceived they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing before them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them and speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them to not speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you, rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. There's a couple things I want us to see this morning as we look at Acts chapter 4. Number one, think of notes, I want to write this down, that God gives ordinary people extraordinary moments. That God gives ordinary people Extraordinary 
boldness. Go back to verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished. What kind of men were they? Uneducated, common men. They're like, how could God use these normal, common people? They were astonished. But how could God use these men? They had been what? They had been with who? Yeah, essential answer. They had been with who? Jesus. They had been with Jesus. These everyday, ordinary, average dudes were doing something that was supernatural, something extraordinary. How did they do it? They've been with Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm curious. Uh, let's take a little poll. How many of you feel like God's called you into ministry? Go ahead and raise your hands. I feel like God's called you into ministry. Okay, a couple of hands up. Good. Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 12, this is what the Apostle Paul tells us. He says, And he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. He gave the leaders of the church to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. What are the apostles, the pastors, the leaders of the church, what are we supposed to prepare people for? For ministry. So if we, as pastors, as leaders, our job is to equip the people of God for ministry, I think as I read this, the people of God is all of you, right? So we're reading scripture right then. If you are a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, that means you to see yourself as called to be in the ministry. Now you might say, do I have to quit my job? Please don't. No, we need some people up. Like, don't work for the church. That's not good. Like, that, just me. That's me, me, the rest of you. Work your jobs. That's good. Because truthfully, you probably do better ministry where you are than if you're on staff at the church. Thanks, Marcus. Appreciate it. Because you've got people all around you at your work, in your neighborhoods, as your stay-at-home mom, who need ministry from you. And I hope you'll see the fact that God is calling each and every one of you, if you're a believer in Jesus, if you're a follower of him, to minister to others. All right, so let's see if we're on the same page now. Raise your hand if you believe that God has called you into ministry. All right, good. That's a lot better. Good, good. Our job is to equip you for ministry. Because God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. Even if you say, you know what, I don't really know the Bible all that well. I can't really pray that good. I get nervous, you know, when I'm trying to share my faith. I get nervous when I'm sharing people. Well, let me first talk to, you know, all of you out there who are very confident, who are the top of your class, very talented, um, you know, people. I want you to know that I've got good news for you. Even though you're super talented and gifted, God can still use you. It's okay. It's just that God specializes in using average, ordinary, common people like me. And so if you are extraordinarily gifted, God can still use you. It's okay. But for the rest of us, God specializes in using common, normal, average people. Here in the church, we've decided in Mosaic that we're not going to have members, no members at Mosaic. Instead of seeing yourself as being a member at a church, we hope that you will consider joining a movement. And instead of being a member like you would at Lifetime or at a CrossFit gym, you will be a partner with us. We have what we call 
partners. We hope you will see yourself not as a member, but as a partner, as someone who is called by God, set apart by God, to partner with other believers to help more and more people love God, to help more and more people serve those around them, to help more and more people know and experience the love of Jesus Christ and become a disciple of Him. You might be thinking, but I don't have that much to offer. Well, the enemy, the evil one, has you deceived. Because if you have the Spirit of God inside of you, living inside of you, He is preparing you to make a difference in this world because God gives extraordinary boldness to ordinary people. Write this down. Someone said this to me one time years ago, and it stuck with me. That God doesn't call the prepared, but He prepares the called. God doesn't call the prepared, but He prepares the called. You and I are called to minister to God, to others, and He will prepare you on the journey. God specializes in using everyday, ordinary people. Number two, we see that boldness comes from knowing Christ. Boldness comes from knowing Christ. Verse 15. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived they were uneducated common men, and they were astonished. And they recognized they had been with Jesus. They were astonished. See, our boldness can amaze the world. I want us to know that boldness is not the goal. Knowing Jesus is the goal, amen. But boldness is always a byproduct of knowing Jesus. I got a question for you. How amazed are people by your spiritual boldness? If you look at your note sheet, I actually gave you a little scale, one through ten. And I want you to circle to rate yourself that one is no one has ever been amazed ever by your spiritual boldness. And 10 is people just are blowing their minds. Whoa, that's amazing. And I'm going to ask one thing. No one give yourself a five because that's the easy answer out, all right? No fives allowed. So just take it off. You need to be one through four or six or 10, all right? But just take a minute. And I have to do this this week. But I want you to evaluate yourself. How amazed are people by your spiritual boldness, by your faith, Give yourself one through ten. I refuse for us to be a lukewarm, half-hearted church. Let's be the real deal. Let's be so in love with Jesus that we are overflowing with spiritual boldness and love and compassion to help other people who don't know the joy of life in Christ. Amen? Let's not just be content to come together as a club, but to say there are hurting people in this world who need to know Jesus, who need hope, who need healing. Let's not be content to just do the easy things, but let's say we want to push past the easy stuff that people are amazed by our boldness so they find and know Jesus. And here's the thing, if you are on the lower end of the scale, I've got good news for you. That you can be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit and that means you have tons of upside and potential. I'm going to pray that each and every one of us, that God will stir up inside of us a spirit of boldness in everyone in here. Wherever you are, if you're a one, a two, a three, a four, there is more for you. You can grow in your spiritual boldness. God can help you take those steps of faith so that people, they look at your life, they are amazed. And they say, how is it that God is using them? 
hidden with Jesus. Amen. On your chart, you can see there's a little circle. And so, how do we grow in spiritual boldness? Number one, time. Write that down there. Time with Jesus leads to, number two, time with Jesus builds your faith, which leads to boldness that produces spiritual results. Time with Jesus. When you spend time with Jesus, it leads to, number two, your faith, which grows deeper. And as your faith in Jesus grows, it leads to boldness. And as your boldness goes, grows, it leads to results. And when you and I see spiritual results, when we see that when we are stepping out and praying for people, that people are, are getting well, that when we start talking about our faith with our children, and they start growing, and we see results, it builds the, our boldness builds results. And that makes you want to spend more time with Jesus. Which then builds your faith even more. And more boldness and more results. It's the principle of the flywheel. The flywheel is like those, those you know, at the Mary Grounds or uh, at like Central Park. They have like the, the thing that spins around. You know, at first when you're on that wheel, it's hard to get it going. And, and you're trying, and you're, you may got one foot out and one, and one foot on the ground, and you're trying to get the spinning. But the more it spins, the faster it goes, and it goes around and around, and it hardly takes any effort. That's the way it is with our relationship with Jesus. When we first start spending time with Jesus, it's hard. We've got to cover up the time. And our faith is small. But as we spend more time with Jesus, our faith grows, and our boldness grows, and then we see results. Which then leads to spending more time with Jesus. And more faith grows, and more boldness, and more results, and, that's, and that wheel starts spinning faster and faster and faster, and pretty soon the people around us are amazed at our spiritual boldness, and how could, how could Marcus, how could Michael, how could Tim take that step of faith? I don't understand. Well, it's because they've been with Jesus, and their faith has grown, and now they're taking these steps of boldness, and people around us are amazed at what God is doing in their lives. But the problem is, the opposite is true as well. When you don't spend time with Jesus, you don't have much faith. You're not bold. You don't see the results that you want. And then you don't want to spend time with Jesus. And your faith shrivels. You end up living for the lower things of the world, wondering why you feel so empty all the time. If right now this morning, your boldness, your faith is at two or three or one. There's lots of potential in it. The upside is huge for your life. There's so much more that God wants for you, so much more that God wants to do in you and through you to make a difference in this world. Be encouraged. I'm telling you, you are here in this place. You are here in this world for a purpose. There are people in your life where no one else is touching their lives. And you are the conduit that God wants to do use to pour out hope, healing, favor, blessing. There are people you work with maybe that you are the only connection they have to Jesus. There are people in your neighborhood you are the only connection they have to Jesus. There are family members of yours. You are the only connection they have The only way we're going to step out in boldness by spending time with Jesus, 
build our faith, have more boldness, and then we'll see the results that God wants in our life. Number three, as we look at Peter and John in the early church, what do we see? They prayed for boldness. Write that down. And number two, they prayed for miracles. And I want us to pray for boldness and pray for miracles. Do you know that what you pray for reflects what you believe about God? That what you and I pray for, it reflects what we believe about God. For example, if you don't really pray, that reflects that you don't really believe in God, or at least you don't believe that He listens or that He answers. What you pray for or don't pray for, it reflects what you believe about God. If you pray very small prayers all the time, it probably reflects that you don't really believe that God is a God who can answer big, bold prayers. If almost all your prayers are just about you, bless me, help me, comfort me, be with me, it reflects that you believe God is there primarily just to comfort you. Here's what I want you to do. We're taking another inventory. It's one of those Sundays where I'm getting up in your grill a little bit, I know. But I want you to take a minute and, and jot down a few things on your note sheet that you prayed for this last week. What are a few things you prayed for? Some of you might be thinking, boy, I don't think I even prayed this last week. Well, that says a lot about how you believe about God. Some of you might say, I can't even remember what I prayed for this last week. Well, that says a lot about your prayer life as well. Some of you might say, I know exactly what I prayed for. And write those down. Just take a minute. We're just going to jot down what are the things that you spent the last week praying about. Not get caught, no. 
to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What did they do after they were arrested for boldly preaching about Jesus? They prayed for even more boldness. Now, I gotta be honest, I'd be like, if I'm their consultant, I'd be like, hey, Peter and John, that's not a good way to grow your ministry, right? Like, didn't being bold, like, laying you in prison in the first place, like, why don't you just back off a little bit, you know, like, just don't be so bold. And yet, they prayed for even more boldness. Why are they praying for boldness? Because I think boldness is an others-centered prayer. Now, we can kind of the lines here, and I was talking with Chris about this, and it doesn't make sense at all. She's like, yeah, it kind of does, so hang with me. I think a lot of us pray for courage, and courage is good. And we want to move from being cowardly to courageous in our lives. But courage oftentimes benefits us. Help me, God, to be more courageous so that I can be a better person. But see, when we pray for boldness, that's primarily an other-centered prayer, because boldness typically doesn't help me. Boldness is for the benefit of someone else, to help them know the love of God through Jesus Christ. Let's be honest, most of our prayers that I pray, probably you pray, are self-centered. Help me make an A on this test. Help me give a, a good presentation at work. Help me to get a raise. Help me to be healed. Help me get a new car. Jesus, help me survive CrossFit next week. Amen? <laughs> But we see the seventh pray for boldness so that other people can know Jesus. The second thing they pray for is they pray for miracles. The disciples are teaching us to pray for boldness and also to pray for miracles. They say, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak the word of God boldly. And then in verse 30, they say, stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name your holy servant Jesus. The disciples here, this first follows of Jesus, they're going to pray big, bold prayers. Help heal sick people, raise the dead, cast out demons, do miraculous signs. They're praying for big, bold prayers. If you and I want to make a big, bold difference in our world, then we have to pray big, bold prayers. Amen? Because what you believe reflects how you pray, reflects what you believe about God. If you pray small prayers, you're believing in a small God. Most of us, myself included, we pray small prayers. But let's pray bold prayers. Let's pray for something big. Because what we pray for reflects what we believe about God. What we're going to do now is we're going to give you the chance to take a minute and to write down some bold prayers. I'm going to have the band come on up. And we're going to close the song here in a couple minutes. I want us to do two things. Number one, we're going to write down on your paper some bold prayers. We're going to ask God boldly. And then when God answers our prayers, we're going to tell everybody that God showed up, that God showed off, so that he can get all the glory. Amen? And if God doesn't answer our prayers the way we think they should, God is still God that doesn't shake our faith because we believe he is a sovereign creator of the universe. But we're going to pray for bold prayers because what we pray for reflects what we believe.
Bibel about God.